Here's another question I find really interesting to explore. And that question is, how do you think about this place that you want to go to, this reinvented organization? How do you hold that destination? I've noticed that there's two very different ways to think about it. Um, probably the most common way is to think about it as this really advanced stuff, you know, almost rocket science. There's stuff that is, you know, probably going to be really difficult for us to get to it for, for, for most people to, uh, to live with. Um, and there is a whole different way to hold it. And that is that, so this destination that we're aiming for is actually much simpler um, than the sort of management practice that we have today. So we're actually going to a much simpler place. And that may sound counterintuitive. I mean, I, you know, what we're doing, you know, isn't it sort of the forefront of organizational innovation? Um, and I really believe that we're actually going for a simpler place. Um, and a good way to think about it might be to go back to a number of the examples I shared in the book. And two stories come back to me uh, in particular. Uh, you might remember the story of Favi, who is Jean-François Aubrist, who a few years into the transformation um, faced a fir first real crisis. Uh, it was the first Gulf War and automotive sales suddenly plummeted. And the question then became, so, so how do we do it? What do we do? We have something like 25% over capacity. We, you know, Zobrist and Favi should basically fire 25% of their people. And the way Zobrist handled that, if you remember, was that sort of on an impulse, he walked through the factory and asked everybody to stop all the machines. Everybody gathered in a corner. He stood on a few pellets and addressed the people and just simply shared his predicament and said, you know, I should fire 25% of the people, basically should fire all the, the temp works that we have. I don't want to do this, but I don't really know what other solutions we have. And of course, you know, there was some fear and um, upheaval in, in, you know, among the people and also the question asked until somebody made this proposal and said, why don't we you know, simply all agree to a 25% pay cut for this month? And so we don't need to fire anyone. And then, you know, we'll see next month if we need to do it again, or, you know, hopefully things will get better. And very quickly, there seemed to be some consensus. And, and Zobrisk asked people to raise hands if they agreed. Pretty much everybody raised their hands, and it was decided on the spot. So within less than an hour, people were back at the machines, and everybody had agreed to a 25% pay cut. Now, think about this, how incredibly simple that is compared to a traditional organization, where in secret, Zobrist would have talked to his head of HR, they would have made all sorts of plans for firing 35% of the people. Um, they would have talked to lawyers, they would have maybe hired consultants to do this, all in great secret, and then they would have like, secret executive committee meetings to talk about this, and then they would have um, probably involved at some point the managers, and then they would have had the whole communication plan, and poof, yeah. And here it was done in an hour. You might remember this other story from Jos de Bloch using the advice process at Beardsdorf. So the way Jos de Bloch um, proposes decisions in his organization that now has 14,000 people um, is that he often writes blog posts from his couch at home at 10 o'clock in the evening where he says, 
you know, I've been thinking about this and this, and here's the decision I propose. And typically, within 24 hours, a large proportion of the nurses, 50, 60, 70% of the nurses, will have read his proposal and will have commented underneath. Um, and so a day later, back on his couch, he reads all these comments. And, you know, if everybody agrees, or pretty much everyone agrees, then, you know, he'll just send a message back and says, okay, this is taken. Or sometimes he will say, okay, um, interesting comments, and um, so here is an updated um, proposal and decision. Or, as sometimes happens, and I shared this example where Jos de Bloch um, proposed to change a formula to calculate overtime, um, is that there's a lot of disagreement. In that particular case, nurses said, hey, no, no, you know, we understand why you're proposing something, because there is an issue, we, but your proposal falls short, and it wouldn't work for this and that reason. Um, in that case, Joseph Block simply re responded, okay, so, you know, is there a team of nurses that, uh, you know, wants to get to get the volunteers to uh, study the question? And it was only when I thought about how we would do this in traditional organizations that it struck me how powerful and simple that mechanism is. So imagine Joseph Block as the head of a traditional organization wanting to change how you calculate overtime. Right? Here's what he would do. He would probably talk to his head of HR, which he doesn't have, but he would talk to his head of HR and say, can you uh, change the formula um, and make a proposal to be discussed at the executive committee? And then the head of HR would probably talk, make a meeting with a more junior person and ask that junior person, can you make a proposal? And the junior person would be all excited to have that opportunity, would think about it, would probably talk with a few colleagues. You know, this is the big, the big moment. And then would meet with the head of HR, um, and the head of HR would probably correct a few things, so the junior would go back to the drawing board, um, still, again, talk to a few colleagues, you know, then when he's ready, talk to the head of HR, let's say the head of HR thinks that the thing is good, and then it goes to the next executive committee, and it gets discussed with everyone, and maybe somebody in the executive committee doesn't like the head of HR, and, you know, ask a few nasty questions, and so the thing doesn't get agreed upon, so it goes back, you know, to another meeting of the head of HR with the junior person, and, you know, they do another few rounds and then meet again, and when they're happy, it goes back to the executive committee months later, and um, let's say that there it's approved, then maybe it goes to the internal communication department that sort of polishes the communication around this, and then maybe there's a meeting with all of the um, district or regional managers um, to present them this new uh, formula for overtime. And then they cascade it and make meetings with their local managers. And then finally, the local managers meet their nurses. So we're two months down the road or three months. And, you know, I haven't counted them, but, in, you know, there's probably 10 or 15 or 20 meetings that have happened for this. And in the meantime, Joss de Bloch simply writes a blog post. And within 24 hours, you know, gets a response. And if it's a decision, you know, it's already got buy-in from everyone. You know, the other process, you, know, you might notice that no one has talked to the nurses. So maybe, you know, they make a very bad proposal. But unlike in just the blocks process, you know, it doesn't surface until it's way too late. And then maybe like six months down the road, one year down the road, with a lot of frustration, you go back to the drawing board to improve it. So that day, it really struck me. And once I looked to this, every single of the practices in self-management um, or the practices is actually simpler um, than traditional management. The way you do salaries is simpler. 
the way you make decisions with the decision-making process, the way you deal with conflict, all of that is simpler. So I've really come to hold the fact that you know, what you're going for is a simpler destination. And I gave an example with self-management, but the same is true for wholeness, for instance. You know, you could conceive as this is, you know, oh, you know, dropping the mask and that feels edgy. But at some deep level, you know, just being ourselves, just relaxing into who we are, is something that we all long for. It's something that we all know how to do. I mean, you know, every single time you create the right conditions, there was an external facilitator maybe at the beginning, but you create the right safety, people show up from a deeper place. It's not magical. We know how to do this. This is something that as soon as you create the right conditions, you know, people just long to drop that mask and show up from a deeper place. Um, I like the way how Bob Keegan talks about it. You know, he says that in most organizations, um, everyone has a second job that nobody pays them for, uh, you know, which is to, to protect your image. And so it's actually an immense relief to drop that. And it's something that is actually profoundly natural. So as you've come to see, you know, to, to hear from me, you know, I now see this um, as a much simpler way to do things. Um, but that's just my perspective. Uh, and so the question I invite you to is, how do you hold that destination? Um, and could you possibly see it in a, way, in a similar way as I see it? Um, because, you know, this might perhaps give you a sense of lightness um, about the journey ahead, a sense of ease, and might take a whole lot of weight off your shoulders. All of that being said, I believe the destination is simpler, but there's a lot of unlearning and relearning to do, and that can be hard. Okay? So I really want to make a difference. I think the place we're going to is much simpler um, in terms of all of the management practice than what we have today. But to get there, there is a lot of unlearning and relearning. And that at times can be really hard. And so the next video is about a separate question. You know, how do you hold the journey? But right now the question to you is, how do you hold that destination uh, that you're aiming for? Perhaps you've noticed there is no paywall, no monthly membership to access this video series. That's because the videos live in the gift economy. This is how it works. I gift everything that goes into making the videos, my time, energy, and insights, and you get to choose what feels right to gift back. Please take a moment to reflect on what would feel good to give in return to help me continue doing this work. Thank you.